from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. We're just basically sitting around. I try to drink 10 beers in an hour, get annihilated, curse a lot. Good Lord, Cofield. You have eaten your share of hot dogs in your life. Have you not? I'm an American. I don't want to be muzzled. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on this Tuesday. It is Cofield and Company. Adam Candy is the company. Much to get to. Busy, busy day. Our aces start up at the end of the week, so we got some uh, LV aces. News to get into. A lot more follow-up from the NFL draft. Raiders with their fifth-year option moves. We'll hit on that as well. And uh, we're loaded with guests today as Miles Simmons is up first at 415. Uh, When I say big day... Uh, right now, uh, getting set up over at uh, Finley Toyota, ESPN Las Vegas personality, Damon is going to be there with UFC fighter Al Jermaine Sterling. He's the 135 champ for UFC. Going to be hanging out Finley Toyota today from 530 to 7. So make your way over to Finley Toyota, 530 to 7. And uh, Damon and Al Jermaine will be hanging out in the Valley Auto Mall and Henderson at Finley Toyota. It's the three on Cofield and Company. All right, so we got, I guess, kind of a break. Kind of a break here. Uh, the United States reclassifying WNBA star Brittany Griner as, quote, wrongfully detained, unquote, by Russia. So, Candy, what exactly does this mean? I guess I'm assuming that it means that we're actually going to get involved and try to help this woman. Well, what it looks like, Cofield, is that this is a huge shift in philosophy. Uh, everything that Brittany Griner's team has done up until this point has been on the tack of take a low profile. Don't make this a big deal. Don't give Putin the shine that he wants out of this. And it appears we've taken a hard turn on that. Uh, former Ambassador Bill Richardson has gotten involved, former governor of uh, New Mexico, has gotten involved in it as a negotiator. And I don't know what the term wrongfully detained means. And when the questions were asked by reporters, they didn't seem to uh, did the legal team give any more explanation because we know that according to the charges we heard out of Russia, that you know she had residue of marijuana on uh, on her person in her bag. And that was enough to detain her at the time. So I don't know how we moved from where we were to where we are, but it certainly is a change in philosophy for Brittany Griner making this more public. Yeah, and you mentioned the making it more public part. That's interesting because the WNBA is going to have a floor decal to honor Brittany Griner, featuring her initials and the number 42. Now, from our understanding, she did commit a crime by Russian law. Now, I think the fear is that she could be detained, jailed, and even worse for years and years and years. So it's a little weird to me, right? You've got what you would call an international criminal here, but they're going to honor her. But I'm guessing this is all part of, hey, let's get really loud about this and see what the Russians do. Yeah, I kind of wonder where the WNBA would fall on this, right? I, I didn't know if they would really take much of a stance. And this is more of a stance than I thought they would take, considering that Brittany Griner is in actual legal trouble in a country where we don't really know what the laws are for a lot of different reasons right now. So the WNBA is going to come out and essentially treat her what as a prisoner uh i'm not going to say a prisoner of war but that's the concept right seems like it right 
Seems like it. We're trying to get we're trying to wrap our head around a lot of things right now going on with the WNBA. I saw some griping last week about the Aces and their draft picks being axed. Do you have any better understanding of what the heck was going on here where they moved around some picks in the future and then they dra- they drafted someone in the eight hole and then that player was gone? Try to explain to anybody who just watched the NFL draft what is happening with the Las Vegas Aces right now. You <laughs> yeah, will have a right. very, very difficult time doing it. So the news came across earlier today uh, that Maya Hollingshead, the draft pick at number eight from Colorado, along with the first pick in the second round, so eight and 13, two of the top three draft picks for the Aces this year, were cut. Cut. Coming out of training camp. News uh, just in. Dylan Parham has been cut by the Raiders. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Christian uh, of uh, Lynn Bowden. Uh, <laughs> they, they're like, no, make, oh, God. Make it a shorter stay. Yeah, Lynn Bowden and Tanner Muse are both very upset uh, to hear this news. So, yeah, so what we see here is they're both cut. And I sent it over to you and said, hold on a second. The Aces before the draft traded next year's first and second round picks to get these picks. And then they immediately cut these players out of training camp. What sort of mismanagement is that? Now, apparently, I'm learning my WNBA roster management in a way that I didn't before. That apparently there's some sort of gymnastics here that has to be done by these teams with cutting players who can then be re-signed to hardship exemptions for them to qualify for the roster. Now, the tricky part about this is that they're on waivers, which means anybody can be claimed on waivers, right? But every team is in this same situation where they're trying to fill out their roster. So everyone is cutting draft picks right now. I don't really understand why the WNBA set this up like this, but it essentially makes it look like the Aces drafted three players in the top 13 picks and immediately axed two of them. It's weird. Well, speaking of that, we had exit interviews today for the Vegas Golden Knights, and I saw this storm kind of brewing last night with you up on Twitter Uh, One of the first things from Pete DeBoer today was, quote, the reality of the season when I look back 10 years from now is 500-man games lost. That bled into everything. If we had average health, we have 105 points. If we have average health, plus we're competing for a president's trophy. Now, I've heard a lot of VGK fans, even more VGK media, throw their hands up and they're like injuries so Pete DeBoer is looking at open arms with this excuse is it valid so I don't think it's valid at all and I think Ken Bulky of Sinbin I want to give full credit to uh, Ken for this he put up an article last night that essentially said These injuries that you're going to hear about tomorrow, he predicted it. He said the 500-man games lost, you're going to hear it first thing out of VGK's mouths in that presser in the morning. And it was the first thing that we heard Pete DeBoer talk about as they did this sort of valedictory for the season. And Ken dug into it and said, you know what? You can't use that excuse because you, Vegas Golden Knights management, set this season up with all of these players that you had on long-term injured reserve, with setting Alex Tuck up on long-term injured reserve, with acquiring Jack Eichel, on and on and on. You were looking for these injuries. You needed these injuries in order to have the kind of roster that you dreamed of having come playoff time. You were operating more than $10 million over the cap for almost the entire season. So calculations. And essentially said, you can take about 40% of those man games 
off the list because they were never going to be able to have eligible players for those games from the injured list. That's the way it was set up. And if you take those away, Vegas moves from near the top of the list in man games lost to right in the middle with teams like Tampa Bay, who seem to be doing just fine right now. So they blanked around and kind of found out, right? Damn! Look at that, Cofield. I, know, I, I like that. that. Hockey Cofield's the best Cofield. I've yeah. never heard that before. Well, I mean, this is the excuse going into the offseason, and I don't know, man. I, I thought a lot of what DePore said today came off about the same as it did the last three weeks of the season, and this whole thing is super clunky. Why uh, the coach doesn't know if he's coming back and he's got meetings coming up, but he's talking to the media. What? We do this every time a college coach gets to the end of their contract, Cofield. And here we are doing it in the pros now, too. You get to a year left and everybody says, hey, it is time to fish or cut bait. Either you want this person here or get rid of them now because a lame duck contract does nobody any good. There's no respect in the locker room for somebody that the players know the front office isn't behind. And then you need to be able to commit to that person and say, we believe that this is the right person for us. So if you believe the injury excuse in the front office, then you need to extend Pete DeBoer right now. Right now. And if you don't believe the injury excuse, then cut him and get rid of him right now right now do not go into the season with pete DeBoer hanging by a thread don't go any farther than you have with pete DeBoer hanging by a thread and if you ask me right now pete DeBoer should be coming back i don't think the golden knights are going to go out there and find a mystery coach who is going to do better with this roster than he would with a fully healthy roster more on vgk as the show moves along especially in our big five at five candies here it's cofield uh, reminder, big series coming up at LV Ballpark on uh, Friday through Sunday. LV Ballpark, three-game series. UNLV is taking on Hawaii. Friday game is 6.05, Saturday 1.05, and just after noon on Sunday. You can get special package price if you buy all three games. Tickets can be purchased at Ticketmaster.com. It's UNLV taking on Hawaii at LV Ballpark. It all starts up this Friday. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. To the net. Rebound. Perron shoots. And he scores. And a power play goal by Perron. His second goal tonight. And the Blues lead 3-0. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Familiar name there. Former Golden Knight. Big game as uh, St. Louis takes on Minnesota and Fleury and lights him up 4-0. L.A. with a shocker over Edmonton. Candy, 4-3. I bet back both Tampa and Boston in their series. Uh, Got them both for the series at plus 180. Not exactly uh, confidence-inducing last night, but obviously I got the good price after they both got blown out. Uh, Tampa loses 5-0 to Toronto, and Carolina takes out Boston 5-1. Did anything surprise you about the openers of the playoffs? I like your Tampa bet more than I like your Boston bet. Uh, you know, Tampa has a couple of those games in it, but when the Lightning are dominant, they're the best team in the NHL. There's a reason they're back-to-back cup champions. Uh, I am a little bit worried about Boston, considering that Carolina has been a juggernaut that nobody's been talking about for the better part of this season. Uh, did anything surprise me last night? I thought the Wild would be more competitive throughout that game uh, against St. Louis, but... Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know why the Golden Knights can't get players like David Perron. I mean, goes and scores a hat trick in the playoffs. It's unbelievable. This is a running joke yesterday, right? The running joke yesterday. So uh, other news just in in the last hour or so. 
Um, I don't know if you saw, but our good buddy, our college basketball insider, Coach Joe, Joe Esposito, is going to be joining um, Marvin Menzies, who I was going to call a good buddy, but we got to get Marvin on at some point. Uh, but he's going to be joining him. Uh, Marvin Menzies, the former UNLV coach, got the job in Kansas City at uh, Missouri, Kansas City. So Coach Joe is going to join him as the associate head basketball coach. So that's cool. Good news. Good news for the company. I uh, I like the hashtag that Joe had on it, by the way. Hopefully you won't accuse me of being unoriginal with this one, too. Uh, hashtag B-A-M, build another monster. Monster for Marvin Menzies and uh, Joe Esposito, huh? Kansas City has no idea what's coming to it. I know. Bam with two M's. Build a, another marvelous monster. Uh, oh, hey now. Hey, or Bam hey now. Rams, a marvelous Marv monster. Too much marvelous. Marvelous. I'm so sorry, by the way, that my Perron joke was unoriginal. I, I feel. That I didn't. Terrible. I didn't mean to accuse you. You know. No, actually, you did. You said, "Oh, it was yesterday's joke." No, Candy. I, was yesterday's I, joke. I should not let everything I see and read sometimes very quickly on Twitter affect the freshness of the show. That could have been a fresh joke, but I sandbagged it. I ruined it. There's only one thing fresher than that joke, and that is your smack of me. Anyway, we move on. It hurts. It hurts. Uh, speaking of building a monster, that was the plan back in 2019 with Mike Mayock and, more specifically, John Gruden. Trade away some big stars. We can't afford to pay guys $18, $20, 22000000 million a year. Let's get picks, and let's rebuild with these powerhouses. All right. The fifth-year option count is officially in, Candy. And as it turns out, 11 of the 32 players taken in the first round in 2019 did not get their fifth-year options picked up the list starts the highest pick was a number four pick Cleve Earl. your guy Daniel Jones Giants from there Devin Bush Garrett Bradbury Andre Dillard don't ask Eagles fans about Dillard um Josh Jacobs Johnny Abram and then really the bottom of the first round kind of turned out to be a disaster which is interesting because later um as the second round started there are actually some great players that were taken off the board but anyway uh Jerry Tillery so another team in the division does not get it right with the Chargers. Um, and the final one was the 32nd pick, who I always thought was a tight end. It turns out he might not be anything in the NFL except a, a journeyman six receiver, but uh, Belichick didn't nail it with uh, Nikhil Harry. So 11 of the 32. So you hit on one-third of these guys. Now the problem with the Raiders is they had three picks. They couldn't even hit on one-third of the three picks. Yeah, imagine how hard it is to mess up when you have more than a third of the first-round picks. And, well, that's bad math. Anyway, you do not have more than a third of the first-round picks. You have three picks in the first round. Imagine how hard it is to screw that up. My analytics card just got pulled forever. I can't, like, if I can't do that basic math, you have more than a third of the picks. No, you got, like, 8% of the picks. But don't mind me. The, the Raiders end up picking up none of the 50-year options. And the most important thing to understand about this is that this is not... Ziegler and McDaniels coming in and saying, we want a clean house from Gruden. We don't want any of Gruden's players here. No, if there were Gruden players here that were a problem, then they uh, they would not necessarily just be run out the door if they weren't playing well. So you look at what's going on now and you say, no, they just looked at these players and said, none of them deserve to be extended at the salaries that they would have to be extended as yep. fifth-year option guys, right? Especially Cleve Furl, but what is this that we saw from uh, 
from Big Vic today, Cofield. This is a different explanation for what I've heard from uh, of most of this. It's kind of interesting. He was kind of playing some casual conversation. He said, uh, you were asking about the Jacobs draft, huh? He said, John's brother traded ahead of him to get Sweat. So that's Montez Sweat and Jay Gruden and the former Redskins. They may have been WFT by then. Otherwise, they take Sweat and then they take Jacobs. So I guess that means Johnny Abram isn't selected. But then the, the more alarming one was, he says, the Klee pick, they were locked into trading down and then got stuck when that didn't materialize. Wait a second. What? Okay. So wait, what, wait, the number four pick hinged on a plan to trade down. And then when it didn't materialize, you're like, yeah, is that, is that really what happened? Come on. But let's say that it did. Let's just play the game for a minute, right? I'm not. I'm play. not saying. I'm not saying Vic is wrong. I'm. I'm no, no. trying to express. Like, I, wait I a second. You. That's what freaking happened. Oh no, I get you, Cofield. And I think the amazing part is if you play that all the way through, what you probably get to was the Raiders were going to take Clee Furl at wherever they traded down to, right? How, we don't know how far down they were going to go. Maybe they're down to ten. Maybe they're down to fifteen. Makes sense. It makes but sense. But wherever they were going to go was probably where they intended to take Furl, and then they didn't pivot to the board. They just said, "Well, we're going to take Clee Furl." Now we're inferring there's a lot there. And Vic, by the way, came back later and said, "Oh, by the way, Sweat was after Jacobs." That being said. The more interesting part of the whole thing was still the idea that we don't know what to do with the number four overall pick. Instead, we'll take a guy who has a grade somewhere around where you're probably going to trade down to get him. And I've already seen a bunch of apologists the last couple of days. Like, oh, well, I mean, if they got sweat, they wouldn't have Max Crosby. You don't know that. You don't know That's that. Ridiculous. And just because they've had success with some of their mid-round picks, doesn't mean any of this can be excused. These these three picks not panning out, and I'm not going to say Jacobs hasn't panned out. It's just that the league has changed so much. The organization's changed. This is an organization that really thought running backs were important. And you know what? Mayock and Gruden, there, there may have been a chance. I'd put it above 50%. If Jacobs had a productive year, well, they have to decide by now. They, they may have exercised the fifth-year option. They may have gone with it. But when you're bringing in Patriots West, they're they're not going to value running backs at eight million dollars a year unless the you know unless the guy had gone out and you know had fifteen hundred yards and on the ground and six hundred receiving. It's not going to happen. Look at how the draft played out this year. If you want to understand what went wrong with this, okay? How many times did you see in the first round this year a run stopping defensive end, a running back, or a box safety who has to play essentially a linebacker hybrid downhill? get right. chosen in the first round the answer is zero zero they drafted players from another era that's just it and whether you think jacobs has been a good player or not when healthy when healthy are two words that really matter when it comes to a running back and the fact that you're drafting him in the 20s it's pretty amazing and i really do want to see more on that that part of the story that they kind of screwed themselves into one plan and then freaked out and picked furl regardless of where they were because Josh Allen, the defensive end, he had his fifth-year option picked up. Devin White's pretty G-damn good, isn't he? Right okay. after right after Furl in the draft. And look down at that roster and understand something else about how this is all coming together. Uh, you have to give yourself more swings 
more swings at good positions, more swings at positions that matter. The reason they had to go out there and trade their first and second round pick this year for Devontae Adams was because they didn't take enough swings at receiver, right? You you got Brian Edwards, maybe that'll work out. You, at this point, I would say the jury is leaning toward no. Hunter Renfro has been everything you could have asked for from a mid-round draft pick, and obviously Ruggs would have been a miss even if he had not done what he did and killed somebody. So you look at the Raiders and say they had to trade premium picks and then they had to go spend money on Chandler Jones and Yannick Ngakwe before that because they didn't take enough swings at defensive end in terms of getting a good pass rusher. These are the things you have to do. 11 of 32 options not picked up in the first round. Also, if you're someone out there, by the way, just a little side, if you wanted your team to trade up, into a higher spot in the first round, or you're upset some team trade in front of you, don't be. When a third of them don't even get their options picked up, you don't want to be spending that draft capital moving up four or five spots. It doesn't work. Coming up, get some more reaction on how Vegas did hosting the draft. Rich Eisen's a big Vegas guy, and he was going off this morning on Vegas. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. Now, back to Cofield and Company. It's, this should be like the, the Olympics. Every other year, it goes to Vegas, either the Super Bowl or the draft. Fans would go crazy. They came from all over the place. Oh, my God. It, it was incredible. So, bravo, Las Vegas, Nevada. Superb. A plus, and everyone was so excited to have everybody from the NFL there too, because they love the NFL. Yes, we do. Yes, I mean I don't love everything about NFL brass, but we do love the NFL. And I know most people in Vegas want to respond to Rich Eisen by going, "Yeah, yeah, we've been telling you for freaking fifteen or twenty years, this is the place." The place that everyone considered sports Siberia. Like, no information got out of Las Vegas. Every time someone came here, they're like, I'm, I'm going to come home. And I'm going to go on the air. And I'm going to tell you stories of this, this land far, far away. Land of mystery. Las Vegas. So Eisen kind of did that. I think it was actually on yesterday's show. Yeah, we're awesome. We're awesome. And I didn't see, like, you have a lot of curmudgeons in the NFL media, although I will say there's been a transformation with the addition of all the Internet people. So it's gotten younger. You know, back in the day, back in the day, you could see like, you know, Dr. Z come home and just piss and moan in some SI column that, you know, he couldn't get his one ninety nine pancakes and coffee refilled enough. You know, I'm trying to think of someone else who was a. Uh, Who's the one who I'm trying? Who's uh, Len Pascarelli? You know, Len would go home and, you know, tried to go to Spring Mountain and none of the foot massage places were open. Right, Len, you know, something like that. Uh, rest in peace, Len. I don't know if he's alive or not, but um, in the past, you would get someone would piss and moan. Maybe I've missed it, Candy. Maybe there's been someone out there, but probably not. And they would get shouted down because whatever they complained about would be just hogwash. Yes, we're awesome. So to the NFL, and I understand what the NFL has to do now. To the NFL, when you land in places like Cleveland and Kansas City and in the future, Buffalo, like we told you, 
We showed you. This is what it is. It should be here more often. We knew this would happen because we rule. We are set up for this. Right, Candy? Is there any other city in America, Cofield, that could turn one man spending roughly, let's say, five minutes of actual time reading the names of college football players over the course of three hours into the spectacle over the course of a week that Vegas did. And I'm sure a lot of people would say, well, the NFL brings the whole thing in here. You're right. They import a lot of it. But when you see people at the airport the way that I did over the last few days, you see people walking down the middle of Las Vegas Boulevard with their jerseys on. They ain't walking into downtown Detroit in a couple of years and saying, oh, yeah, baby. Big D, we're here for it. No, that's not the way it works. The only thing we got to get right is the fact that people can't actually bet on the draft when they come to Vegas for the draft in the day leading up to it. That we got to fix. Other than that, you're damn right. It needs to be here at least every other year. I don't think we're going to get it because, like I said, the NFL has to service its Rust Belt dying cities. They're not all dying, but, you know, kind of cities that could be miserable at the end of April and you roll the dice. Hopefully the weather's good. Um, and you mentioned Detroit, and I like Detroit, and I like Kansas City. Um, but they can't measure up to what we do here. They may have bigger numbers, like, you know, in that crowd, they may have, you know, 75, 100,000. But in terms of enjoyment for the spectators and the league, you can't match what we do. And, and by the way, Candy, so brilliant in what you just mentioned. Like, it's probably more than five minutes, especially with Ed Marinaro. He kind of pushed it over the, the limit. He was, a, you know, the celebrity picker for the uh, Vikings. But really, the event, after the first and second round, most people there have no idea who the players are. It's just someone reading a card. I was down there on Friday night, and I was, like, after 15 minutes, I'm like, I don't even I don't even know that they're making picks. Like, there's so much going on. It was basically like, there's music, there's this show, this act, whatever interview, and they're like, hold on a second, let them come up. Here's your 30 seconds. All right, right back to it, right? Like, you barely knew there was a draft going on because there is so much happening. It's energy. It's all about building up hype, building up energy. It was a three- or four-hour, depending on how long you're watching, infomercial for Las Vegas at a time when it actually matters, right? At a time when, in late April, that ain't exactly high season in Vegas. It's a time when Vegas can use the publicity. My argument about the Super Bowl is that we're just fine without the Super Bowl. We don't need the Super Bowl. We already are a destination for the Super Bowl. Vegas ain't a destination in late April. And that's when the draft comes around and blows the city up for all that time. So not only do I think that it should have it every couple of years for that, but Cofield, you want to talk about servicing Rust Belt cities? How about servicing the city that gave you $750 million to build a stadium, and the way we're funding it is we're funding it by people coming to town and staying in our hotel rooms and the tax we put on that. It's one way for the NFL to give us some of that money right back. So we talked about it yesterday, some things that could be improved upon, and we'll get to that, some ideas out there, because it's never perfect, but it it was damn good. It was really damn good, and Rich Eisen was just going on and on and on about it my god is las vegas the perfect town for a major nfl event we've all known it for a long time we've all suspected it okay we've all suspected it for some time but you know a very warm place would have had to have frozen over for something like that to happen and i guess it must have frozen over because the draft was there and it was superb 
And the town, as you might expect, absorbed it. See, I think that's the fascinating part. First of all, we all know about you know what needed a warm over. The NFL had to be juiced in on betting profits. Other states had to jump in. So we went from being purely evil to well, now they're the entertainment capital of the world. Of course, why wouldn't why wouldn't we go there? Um, but the absorbed it part, like I don't know if you went down there at all, Candy. But the strip is so just ginormous in terms of what we can host. If you weren't right near the draft, you wouldn't know what was going on. There was some traffic. There was some traffic. Um, but you could go to shows at different parts of the Strip. You would not know it was there. I mean, I drove up and down. And listen, no one wants to, no one's going to be driving back on Paradise and whatever, University Place or whatever it's called where I drive through all the time back and forth from some of our remotes in UNLV. But, like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that there was a big event going on because that's how big – the strip is that's how well we did i was even thinking because adam hill was uh complaining well he wasn't really complaining he just said it was hot out there now his reward it was hot for him because he couldn't put on sunscreen so his face is scalded and his head is burned his balding head is burned so it was a realization that he's going bald even though he made a bunch of excuses like i combed my hair the wrong way no you're going bald it happens right you got got to spray on top of your head right but like think about it even if if we wanted, and we would never do this, right? But if we wanted to move it inside to some, like, gigantic ballroom or replicate what Madison Square Garden and Radio City Hall used to do, we have all these theaters here. Like, the Sphere, five years from now, you could have freaking 17,000 people watching the NFL draft. If you wanted to go in any, any of our convention centers, I mean, what do we have, like, five that could hold probably ten or 15,000 people? Like, we're, we are so equipped for events like this. And the most important part is, and I know we had some locals complain, you know, that it, it altered the traffic a little bit, but for the most part, we can do it and it doesn't shut the city down. Like I think for other cities to host something, something like this, it's a, a Herculean effort. You didn't even mention the one place in there that's the most natural fit. Hosted at Allegiant if you need to host it uh, somewhere yeah. huge, right? So, all right, you, you said, is it really something that you noticed. I had a meeting at Caesars on Wednesday, and I thought to myself, this will be an interesting test. I got to get from my place in Green Valley to Caesars. So I thought, I'm going to do what I usually do. I'm going to get on the 215. I'm going to swing down to Frank Sinatra. I'm going to go in the back off Jay Sarno. I'm going to go into the self-parking. Let's see what a challenge this is. It took me less time than it does on a Saturday. <laughs> like, I breezed right through. I breezed yep. in the casino. And, you know, the only way that I knew that there was something going on was that there was a broadcast network that had a big studio set up at the MGM uh, Sportsbook that I ultimately ended up at because why not check out everything that's going on there? But it was something that I thought was going to be a lot more noticeable. And you know where I noticed it the most? On Saturday morning on an airplane flying out of town when I was looking down at all the sets on the strip and thinking – wow they have a lot of stuff and it really doesn't take up that big a footprint in our tourist area yeah here's eisen talking more about his experience it didn't really transform the town in a way because there you still walk around in all these casinos and you saw all these people with their huge lanyards for whatever convention they were there for (laughs) sitting on the set because the super bowl is going there in two years from now i was on the as you know right in front of the bellagio fountains and the airport is right nearby I mean, it's all right there. Finished the draft. I went to go see Sebastian Maniscalco because he started at 10 o'clock at night. Perfect oh, timing. 
Amazing. I, if the draft ended sooner, I would have gone to see John Legend. And the food was incredible. The restaurants are off the charts. I know I sound like I'm running for, it's, you know. Uh, stumping. For mayor or chamber of commerce. <laughs> chamber but- of commerce. Yeah, Thursday, Friday night, late night. Let's go get something to eat at a nice restaurant. Detroit or Kansas City or Buffalo or Cleveland. Eh, you're screwed on that. He just mentioned, by the way, if you watch the video, he made this motion when he did the big lanyard thing, and I was like, he went to see Maniscalco. Because so did I, but I went to the 7 o'clock show. He went to the, the 10 o'clock show, and he had talked about lanyards and made that, that motion. But that's the other cool thing. Like no one else, it doesn't have to just be the draft. The draft ends, and, of course, Pacific time helps as well. Uh, the draft ends, and you can still go get a great meal later at night. I mean, we're, we're barking to the choir. We're on in Vegas. But I just wanted you to hear people from outside the market raving, because I think sometimes here in Vegas, we get a little micro-focused, and we only concentrate on what becomes an inconvenience for us. Like, I heard people, Candy, who wouldn't even be down on the strip like, I mean, they wouldn't be down there more than four times a year. And they're like, ah, like, you don't go down there anyway. What do you care? This is what our town is built for now. Our gaming, you know, the percentage of uh, overall revenue from gaming is shrinking, right? We're an event town. We need events like this. So I was glad to hear Eisen saying it kicked ass. Well, you need to accept it if you live here. There are things that are going to be inconvenient in the name of this city existing. I've lived here since 1989. It is not a city that <laughs> is or ever will be built for the locals. No. Okay? We, this is not... If this city were built for the locals, a lot of people wouldn't have jobs. A lot of people wouldn't have houses. It's just reality. And it is inconvenient sometimes. Do you know how much I hate going home from a Golden Knights game? and getting stuck on that stupid collector-distributor road between the 15 and the 215 coming off Russell or coming from Allegiant Stadium. I hate it when I watch all of the California tourists flying by me on 15 while all the locals get herded into their little cattle pen to get onto the 215. But you know what? That's reality. They're going to let the tourists get out of here quicker than they let the locals get home. Sports is here to stay. Big events are here to stay. We got a uh, new sports team coming in, professional team coming in. Uh, in the fall and winter, it's the Desert Dogs. We've got professional lacrosse that's going to be landing at Mick Ultra Arena at Mandalay Bay. Right now, we've got a bunch of merch. Your first chance to get some Las Vegas Desert Dog merch. Caller 7, talk to Ari, 364-1100-364-1100. If you want information, you want to buy tickets in advance, you can go to lasvegasdesertdogs.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Why you putting stuff in your body, man? Your career going to end when it is. Drink water every now and then some Gatorade, lift some dead weights and run. I don't get it. I don't need no creatine. And I just don't. I never. Creatine is fine. There's no ban on creatine. <laughs> my whole point, Max, is if it ain't coming out the faucet or if it ain't in my cooler, I ain't putting it in my body. That's my whole point. Yeah. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Pretty absurd analysis of performance-enhancing drug pops. Um, more along the lines of, I'm not, I'm not going to put anything in my body that doesn't come out of a faucet. I mean, so does he want to go after Tom Brady? Now, I have no idea if Tom Brady has ever taken anything that is illegal, but I will guarantee you that Tom Brady, to reach 
this sort of peak performance in his mid-40s is walking that line and is doing stuff that ain't straight out the faucet. How dare you say these things about Doc Guerrero? <laughs> Are you kidding me? There is nothing but avocados and hope. That's what fuels Tom Brady. Listen, I don't know what DeAndre Hopkins did. I mean, he's saying he, you know, he wanted to fight it, and you know, it's a, he's never knowingly put anything illegal into his body. Um, I just know for a lot of athletes, if you are hurt, you're getting hurt, you want some sort of edge, you're dying to come back. These things can happen. Again, I'm not making an excuse for him. What did you make of what he said so far in terms of his suspension? And then he wanted to initially fight it, but now he's not going to officially fight it. There were a lot of overtones of what we get out of baseball in DeAndre Hopkins' statement, right? That's where we hear about PEDs in general. We hear about them in baseball. We don't hear about them as often in football. And he started out his statement saying, in my career, I've never tested positive for PEDs. Uh, I was confused and shocked that trace elements of a banned substance were in my body. So there's point one. Point one is always, hey, I don't understand what happened here. I was taking the same things I've always taken, and this time was the time that the high-grade beaver tranquilizer got in there. I don't understand what they put in my McDonald's order, but this time it apparently was someone who did not check the labels before they put it together. Okay, so that's part of it from... DeAndre Hopkins. But then the part of it, Cofield, that really stuck the wrong way for me was this. I fully intend to get to the bottom of this. As soon as I have more information, I will share it. Well, I assume that means we're going to find DeAndre Hopkins over at Grape Street Cafe before too long because the original, I'm going to get to the bottom of this and share the information, came from our boy OJ. And we know that that's OJ's favorite haunt out in Summerlin. So I assume DeAndre Hopkins is going to get all of his tips on how to get to the bottom of the situation from OJ because that's how it sounds to me. I'm going to go on a hunt to figure out how this got in my body. No, man. You weren't, quote, careful enough. You know. The people around you know. Maybe you took just enough of whatever this is in the past to not get detected. Maybe you took a little too much this time and did get popped. But the point of the matter is you are one of the highest paid athletes in all of football. You know exactly what's going into your body. Okay, I'll say I don't want to jump 100% on board with you know exactly what goes into your body because I think some people are a little careless. Um, I thought you were going in the direction – you know, you have to know what's going in your body. You're one of the CEOs of the franchise. If you're a leader of a franchise and you're making a ton of money, you can't, if this is a mistake, you can't make mistakes like this. Now, on the whole point of like, you know, I'm going to hunt down what happened here. I know you like to throw in the OJ line. The guy I actually think of, and I've never believed that he was clean, and I, and I think his career, uh, his arc kind of shows it, was David Ortiz pulled the same crap. David Ortiz pulled the same exact crap when it was leaked that, you know, the test across Major League Baseball to decide if testing was going to be in or out. And they tested like 700 different players and over 100 tested positive, and it turned out um, he was one of them, and he swore by it. I had no idea. I don't know how this happened. You know, I want to I want to find out. Now, the reason I bring in baseball, uh, a couple of guys mentioned this. Rob Parker over on Fox Sports Radio National. You can hear him on 1340 and 98.9 FM. Um, he pointed out, 
there is a double standard in how we react to NFL stars versus MLB stars and PEDs. Uh, JTTB, JT the Brick, tweeted out, PEDs in the NFL doesn't receive the same media fallout as it does compared to MLB, but it's a huge hit to the legacy of DeAndre Hopkins. It has to be, because if not, all players would consider taking the defense. It's not a huge hit. I don't know that most people can name more than three or four NFL players who have officially been caught. Parker's right. Most NFL fans, it's a blip. When you're in the now, you know, you notice the player gone. Legacy. It, it will not affect will not affect DeAndre Hopkins' legacy. Do you think it will? It's not going to affect DeAndre Hopkins' legacy. What it's going to affect is the Arizona Cardinals. Right? The Cardinals are the, the team. Now. That's, in, in the now. that's, that's yeah. the here and now that's going to matter. Yeah. Well, but you want to talk about baseball. Just to finish the point on baseball, Cofield, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When, it com- when it comes to baseball, there's a difference. We can look at Mark McGuire, and we can see skinny-ass Mark McGuire coming out of college, and we can see him turn into a Marvel monster, right? And we look at it and we're like, oh, yeah, obviously. But let me ask you, I know you'll have seen this movie because this is, this is a good one to date both of us. The program, remember the program? Yes. Of course. Remember the, the oil change, right? Like, we expect that football players are on something. We look at them and we're like, that's not normal. I, I can't tell you how often I watch a football game and I'm like, I look at the measurements and they're like, this guy is six foot one, 240 pounds. And I'm like, and he has 4% body fat. I'm six foot one, 175 pounds. Where did he get the other 65? It ain't from smoothies or the faucet. Right. Yeah, I was just looking at DeAndre Hopkins career arc because as I mentioned, anyone, if you, if you follow David Ortiz career, you're a fool if you don't think something happened there because he was a... Uh, yeah, he was kind of a, a dumpy, you know, specialist lefty who could just play against right-handers. Uh, you know, Matt probably was going to max out at like a 15-60 guy, 15 over 60 RBI, and all of a sudden he's just an absolute monster for 15 years until his late – not 15 years, 13 years until his late 40s. I was trying to see if there was any kind of jump in performance by DeAndre Hopkins, and there really wasn't. You know, his first year he was only 21 years old, and he had 52 catches, 802, but f- pretty much from that year on, outside of injuries, he's been – Freaking ninety plus catches, over a hundred four times, and usually twelve hundred yards. So it's not like you he nailed it. Though. It's not like he reinvented himself and turned into a new player. No, you nailed it though. He's the Andy Pettit case, right? He's the Andy Pettit used HGH when he wanted to recover from an injury. That doesn't make it any less illegal. But DeAndre Hopkins spent most of last year hurt trying to work his way back onto the field. And so if we have any question as to why DeAndre Hopkins might have been in this kind of situation, it seems pretty damn clear to me that it was about injury recovery. And oh, by the way, if you're an Ortiz fan, you are a sucker because the only reason he hasn't been treated the same way as everybody else is like you just said, he yelled louder than everybody else. Right. And when he had a chance to be nice, he was nice and, you know, Likeable guys usually get by. Barry Bonds does not. Uh, I'll close out the hour on this, and I'm doing this strategically so you don't have five minutes to do it. Uh, Live Moods, gambling expert with Cowherd's podcast. DeAndre Hopkins suspended only six games for violating the performance-enhancing drug policy. Don't do it. Calvin Ridley don't gets do suspended it. an entire uh, season for getting on a game he didn't play in. Interesting.
with a thinking face. Hmm. Is she right? Calvin Ridley got screwed. You could have given Calvin Ridley a lifetime ban, and I wouldn't have argued with it. I'll tell you what my live mood is.